Let's please turn in our Bibles now to the book of 1 Samuel, the 15th chapter, and we'll be reading responsibly verses 18 through 23, page 335 in your Schofield Bible. 1 Samuel 15, verses 23 through, or verses 18 through 23, reading these verses responsibly. Shall we please stand for the reading of God's word? And the Lord sent thee on a journey and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore, when didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil, and didst evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way which the Lord sent me, and have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. And let's pray. I want everybody, young and old, to listen as I speak on one of the great themes of the Bible. When I went to college, I, uh, by the way, I, I was going to say this. I really don't know how I got here. I, uh, I don't know how. I was looking out the crowd tonight, and I was asking myself, how did I get here? I mean, where, uh, how did I get to this position as the leader of a giant ministry like this? I don't recall the trip very much. I was thinking tonight, if I were a member of this church, if I lived in this area, I'd be a member of this church, but if I remember this church, I'd be here all the time. Amen. I'd want to be a part of history. Amen. We talk tonight, often of these days, about the great history of the Moody Church in Chicago, and well we ought, because the history of that church is one that's legendary. Amen. But we have larger crowds here consistently than Moody Church had in its heyday. We talk about the great soul-winning center that it used to be. And yet the honest truth is we, we've won more souls and baptized more converts in the last ten weeks than Moody Church did. I'm not, I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you we ought to be praising God tonight to be a part of this situation. And uh, Moody Church did in any year. And the same thing is true about the other great cathedrals. We think about the great influence through the years of Moody Bible Institute. You know Howells Anderson College probably has more students after just a handful of years than Moody Bible Institute does after all these many, many tens of years. And uh, now the thing frightens me. We have, we have everything they had and more, but there's one, there's one thing they had that frightens me, and that is they had Mr. Moody. And that scares me to death. I'll be honest. I sometimes 
look at this crowd and begin to tremble in my soul. When I went to college, I, uh, I took a double major. I majored in Bible, but I also majored in secondary education so I could teach school because I never thought I'd pastor a large enough church to pay me a full-time salary. Never dawned on me, a little guy like me, could ever pastor a church that was big enough to have a big enough offering to pay a full-time salary. So I thought rather than having to work in the, in the world with a job not dealing with people, I thought I'd be better if I'd teach school. No Christian schools back in those days. I mean, you had Catholics and a few Lutherans, but no Baptist churches had schools in those days. I thought I'd teach in the public school system. That way I could at least influence young lives and then I'd preach on Sunday. Maybe I could drive a school bus also. When I stop and think about the money that comes through this place and the crowds that come to this place, it frightens me. Good night, I'm no great preacher, and I know it. I'm no, <laughs> I mean, really, <coughs> moody, good night. Uh, it, it's almost a sac it's almost sacrilegious to think of me preaching to many folks as Moody did. And I know that. I'm no Paul Rader, R.A. Torrey. I'm no John Rice or Bob Jones or Lee Robertson. I'm just a country preacher. Now, all of that to say this. I've oftentimes asked God why he put me on the scene. Many times. I said, Lord, I, said, I, I walk with the big fellows. I know the big preachers. I preached, I guess I preached in every great pulpit in America and Canada and uh, the famous churches. I preached in all of them. And I wonder sometimes, why did you put me on the scene? I, I was in Kansas City, Missouri several years ago. I looked down at the program. I was about to speak. I was the last speaker that night and closed out the entire conference been 10, 12 years ago, I looked down and I saw the program. <clears throat> Here's what it said, Dr. John Rice, Dr. Bob Jones Sr., Dr. Beecham Vick, Dr. Bob Jones Jr., and others. And down at the last, it said, Closing Message, Dr. Jack Hiles. And I began to tremble. And I said, How in the world did I get here? I guess I know. I guess maybe the Lord wanted somebody that was simple enough to copy. You know, there's only one John Rice in America. There'll never be another one. When John Rice is gone, there'll never be another John Rice. I'll be preaching his 83rd birthday message at his big, giant birthday party tomorrow afternoon at 4 o'clock in Evansville, Indiana. And I'll be speaking to him and to the others about him. There's only one Lee Robertson, never be another. His kingly air, his princely appearance, his un unbelievable, impressive preaching. There's only one R.G. Lee, never be another one. There'll never be another one like R.G. Lee. 
But you know, <clears throat> the little Jack Hiles is running all of America bothering folks. All of this country. Practically every town in America, some little Jack Hiles. They, they, even, they even clear their throat like I do. All over the country. They, uh, all over America. Little Jack Hileses. I used to wonder why God put me on the scene. Then when it dawned on me, God had to have somebody simple enough to copy and easy enough to copy. But I want to tell you tonight, if I could, the one thing God knows I've done through these years, if there is a reason that for which I am the cause, why God's blessed this little preacher, I have no right to pastor in the first place. I never even wanted to come up north, much less pastor up here, because I didn't like Yankees. I didn't want any, any Yankee to go to heaven. There was another place to which I preferred Yankees would have as their eternal abode. I said, what was it? I don't believe in purgatory. You just use process elimination and figure out what it was. I like Yankees now. They're sort of dumb, but I like them. In fact, the sweetest folks I know in the world, I mean it, are from the north of Mason-Dixon line. I haven't got any business preaching in a big church up north. I'll be preaching in the Berean Baptist Church in Waxahachie, Texas, or Maranatha Baptist Church in Nacogdoches, or, <coughs> or the, the Cross the Tracks Baptist Church in Muleshoe. <laughs> and I know that. But this, if, if there is a quality about this little preacher, I believe this is truth. I've tried for 33 years to obey God. I've tried to do what he said. To be one of the greatest verses in the Bible is John 2, 5. For the mother of Jesus said, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. If you want a last verse, buddy, that's a good one. Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. That's good advice from the mother, from the mother of Jesus. Now, <clears throat> people often ask me, Pastor, I want you to listen now. Don't, don't make me have to, to put on the rousements to get your attention. I want to talk to you tonight about one of the great secrets to the Christian life. People say, Pastor, what's the most important thing to teach an and he said, no, 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 no. And I said, yeah. He was two years old. And I said, buddy, you eat those green beans. And, and you're going to stay there and you eat them. He said, no, no. I gave him a bite, and out they came. Another bite, out they came. And he, he took his hands and spread it across the high chair and put them all on the, on the floor. I, put, I got them off the floor and put it back on the high chair. I said, you're eating those, not some more of those. I took him in the back room and paddled him. Brought him back. I said, you going to eat your green beans now? No. I said, son, they'll bury you in that high chair <coughs> if you don't eat your green beans. I make up your mind. And by the way, if he hadn't eaten his green beans, he'd still be sitting there. That boy's not disobeyed his dad since he was 10. One time. And I don't recall the day that Becky or Linda or Cindy has disobeyed me. The truth is, 
They want to please me, and to this day they try to figure out what Dad would want them to do. I don't have to give orders anymore. They want to please Dad and obey Dad. Most important thing you'd ever teach your child is to obey you. When he says, when he's 18 months old or, or two years old, he's no, 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 no. Don't, don't, don't tell folks that's cute. Don't laugh and say that's cute. Not cute. There's a bed in there. There's a criminal lurking down inside his breast. Most important thing you'd ever teach a child is to obey. Most important thing that a child can learn in school is to obey. Teachers, don't you take. Now, I don't think you ought to be brutal. I don't think you ought to be ruthless. But don't let these children disobey you. Don't let them disobey you. Most important, listen, more important than how to conjugate a verb. Do you conjugate verbs? Is that what you conjugate? Uh, uh, more important than learn how to conjugate a verb. And I'm really impressed with that word. That's, I think I'll preach a sermon sometime on the doctrine of conjugation. But, <laughs> but I, uh, more important than conjugating a verb is to learn to obey. I'd rather a child never learn proper grammar and graduate from our high school learning, having learned to obey than to be a valedictorian and not know how to obey. Most important thing you can do as a Christian is obey. Biggest thing. Biggest thing you'll ever do. Not pastor a great church. Good night. No. This happens to be God's will for my life. But there's a will of God for your life. And the biggest thing you'll ever do is not try to do what God has given me to do. And the greatest thing I've ever done is not pastor this church or be in charge of the schools or this great ministry here. The greatest thing that I do is obey. And bless God, you can obey. And if you obey God, you're as big in God's sight as I am. Obey. Obey. When we walk with the Lord in the light of His Word, what a glory He sheds on our way. While we do His goodwill, He abides with us still. And to all who will trust and obey, in that song you find the secret of the Christian life. Trust and obey. And that's it. Obedience. The secret of being a good Christian is to obey. In the Bible, children are commanded to obey their parents. Employee is commanded to obey his employer. Church members are commanded in Hebrews 13, 7 and 17 to obey the pastor. Citizens are commanded to obey the government. <coughs> and those who are in institutions are commanded to obey the rules of those institutions. Greatest thing you ever do at Howells Anderson College is not make the dean's list. The greatest thing is learn to obey the rules and the authority. Biggest thing. You, you, you preacher. Young preacher is going to go out here one day and pastor. And you want folks to follow you. God's not going to give you a following people if you are rebellious while you're in school. Obedience. That's it. Not talent. Obedience. Not strength. Obedience. Not humor. Obedience. Not dynamics. Obedience. Not gifts. Obedience. Obey. That's the great secret. Tonight, I watch Ricky. Now, here's something you haven't gotten probably from Ricky yet, but I get it every time I see him. I watched her. I watched him from behind. Hate to, hate to shake your faith. <clears throat> I hope you'll not be heard about this, but Ricky ain't human. <laughs> 
I'm not sure Geraldine is. <laughs> but I've watched her behind pull those strings. And every time she pulls a particular string, Ricky always responds. He says exactly what she tells him to say. And don't get mad at him. <laughs> I have no bitterness in my heart against Ricky. Against that gal he runs with? Yes, but not him. <laughs> I mean, that's it. <laughs> Listen, that is, the per that is the thing I'm trying to say. When she says, Ricky, open your mouth, he opens his mouth. She says, Ricky, this is what I want you to say. And listen, if tonight I am God's man behind this pulpit, I am supposed to be exactly right now what Ricky was two hours ago. Exactly. I am to obey the Holy Spirit, my Savior, God the Father, with the same obedience that Ricky uses with which to obey, obey Geraldine. I, I will forget it. I was behind one time, and I watched that thing, and before he got through, tears in my eyes, I went to my study and fell on my knees, and I said, God, that's what I want to be. That's what I want to be. And by the way, you'll make fun of this, and, but I said seriously, I just want to be God's dummy. You know, if Ricky knew a great deal, he, Geraldine couldn't use him. Ricky had a mind of his own. <coughs> Geraldine couldn't use him. Ricky had hands of his own. Geraldine couldn't use him. Ricky had feet of his own. She couldn't use him. He had a will of his own. She couldn't use him. And God can't use me if I have hands. They're not his. And God can't use me if I have a mind that's not his. Most brilliant mind in this room tonight will fall flat on its face unless it learns to obey. I was walking down a sidewalk in a, in a shopping mall, and I'm not given to this. I hardly ever stop preaching anywhere. I, some of you guys can do it easier than I can. I, I, I'm sort of shy. I bet, I, bet, I bet you, Jack, you can just stop and holler and scream anywhere. Brother Vineyard could. <coughs> Brother Vineyard, you know, he just, he's, looking for, he's looking for some place to preach. You get up on the airplane just start preaching. Uh, not, not me. I'm, I, I can't. I, I mean, that's that's hard for me. I recall one time over in Capernaum, I decided to start preaching. We were, we were there on a Holy Land trip, and, and a bunch of three busloads of hippies came up. And we, we were we were having services and 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 Bible studies, and they started laughing and making fun. Yeah, <laughs> making fun. I got mad. I jumped up on one of those old stones there and those old remains of the synagogue where Peter attended. Boy, I preached. Some folks said I kept my hat on, stood up on the stone, and I preached. Boy, I just start preaching. I don't have that. I, I, I preached 30 minutes before I realized those folks were from another country couldn't understand a thing I said. <laughs> I, uh, I was at a shopping center, and I was walking down a shopping center, and I saw a man with a little dog. And that dog was doing tricks. And I watched that man hold a hook here, and the dog jumped through. And I watched that man ask the dog a question. The dog had barked the right amount of times. And I watched for about 15 minutes. I've never seen a dog as trained as that. 
The crowd had gathered. And I don't know what got into me, but I just stopped. And I said, folks, could I say a few words? I didn't holler and scream, but I just said, I want to say a few words. I said, I have a heavenly father. And I serve him. And I've watched that dog do exactly what his master said tonight, today. And I said, I want to yield myself. If that dog can do everything his master says, I want to yield myself again to do what my master wants me to do. God has no hands but our hands to do his work today. He has no feet but our feet to lead men to his way. He has no tongue but our tongue to tell men that Christ died. He has no help but our help to lead men to his side. We're the only Bible this careless world would read. We're the sinner's gospel. We're the scoffer's creed. We're the Lord's last message written in deed and word. What if the line is crooked and what if the print is blurred? What if my hands are busy with other works than his? And what if my feet are leading where sin's allurement is? What if my tongue is speaking of things that Christ would spurn? How can I hope to aid him and hasten his return? Young person, you want to know how to be a good Christian? Obey. Start as a, as a child, obeying your mom and dad. Obey the teacher in school. Obey the rules of the school. Obey the professors. Obey the principals. Obey the president of the college. <coughs> obey. Obey. And every time you see it in the Bible, do it. And every time you see it in the Bible, you're not supposed to do it. Don't do it. Obey. Listen. Listen. I don't know who that young man is tonight in this room who's someday going to be a great, mighty man of God. But I don't know who he is. But I know whoever he is, it won't happen because he's talented. It won't happen because he's smart. It won't happen because he's handsome. It'll happen because he's just like little Ricky as he yields to the Holy Spirit and says, Spirit of God, as the potter took the clay, I yield and let you mold me as I will. The human race fell in Eden because one man disobeyed. Selot's wife turned to a pillar of salt because she disobeyed. Look at Balaam corrupting an entire nation. Little children growing up with heathen children and, 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 uh, and Christians marrying unchristians and God's people intermarrying with pagan idolatrous people. See them. Why? Because one man disobeyed God. Weep as you see stones railing on Achan and his family. See them as the people pick up the stones to hurl at their bodies. And see them as they hurl the stones and bodies begin to pelt on, our stones begin to pelt on their bodies. And see Achan as he crumbles to death. And see his wife as she crumbles to death beside him. And they had the little old, old little Jonestown as God's people stoned them to death at the command of God. Why? Because Achan did not obey. Young people, you have no idea what that little disobedience in school means. You're setting a precedent. You're starting a habit. One of these days you'll end up in a penitentiary somewhere, maybe, or at least with your life wrecked and ruined. This morning I finished preaching, went to my study. One of our young men grew up in the church here. I won his dad to Jesus many years ago. Waiting in line. Came to my office and threw himself around me. Listen, young people, listen to me now. Threw himself around, threw his arms around my neck and he said, Preacher, I'm all mixed up. I won't tell you what he's done, but his life is pretty wrecked now. Why? 
I said to him, I said, son, you know why God gave me to you? You know why God sent me by one day to talk to your dad and get him saved? You know why God let you grow up in Hammond, Indiana? And let you attend the First Baptist Church of Hammond? You know why God gave me to you? God gave me to you because God wanted me to lead you and tell you what he says and to guide you. And I said, you won't have any trouble if you just obey the preacher. There he is, like everybody else. Go your own way. Live your own route. I'm not going to have anybody tell me what to do. I'll break the shackles. No, you won't either. The Bible says when you decide to do that, you trade your yokes of wood for yokes of iron. You say, I'll be free. I'll be free. I'm free to take dope if I want to. I'll take my, and anybody that takes dope is an idiot. An idiot. Fool. Only got one body. Good night. Take care of it. I'll do what I'll do. I'll be free. I believe in freedom. I'll take dope if I want to. And you take that yoke of wood off your shoulders. Then you come to my office trembling. No, not a slave to rules anymore at the school. You're a slave to dope now. You traded your yoke of wood for a yoke of iron. I'll, I'll tell you, I don't see anything wrong with a little liquor. I'll drink it. There's nothing, listen, talk about dope. There's nothing in this world that ruined America like the dirty, rotten liquor traffic has. And uh, I'm free. I'll not be bound. I'll not be bound by rules. I know you won't. But you'll be bound by liquor one of these days, and you'll have traded your yoke of wood for yoke of iron. See Lot cradling two illegitimate children, born because of the sin of incest with his own daughters. Outside the city of, of Sodom, with the smoke of Sodom still rising and the ashes still burning. With his wife, a pillar of salt, a statue made with a divine sculptor, reminding all who pass by, disobedience leads you to ruin. You see Lot with the, with the ashes still burning in Sodom, and his wife, a pillar of salt, and his daughters having seduced him to incest, and two little illegitimate children on his knees, sin, sin, and you'll see what the result of disobedience is. Listen. Yeah, I'll do the preaching. You just do the listening. You start off when you're little. If you don't understand what Mama says, I, I've said to this boy here many times. He said, Dad, <coughs> he said, uh, I said, not do so and so. He said, why? I said, I'll tell you later. Do it. Do it. I'll tell you later. You have to know why. Just do what he says. You have to sit down. You have to, you have to have a talk show on television every time you tell your kid to do something. Do it. But you say, I'm not going to be any slave. Yeah, you and the dirty H-E-W are both going to hell together too. Obey. Saul lost his throne because he didn't obey. Naomi lost her husband because she didn't obey. Her sons lost their lives because they didn't obey. Limelech was buried in a premature grave because he didn't obey. David's life was wrecked and ruined because he didn't obey. He kneels there in a grave and, 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 and laments the death of his little boy because he didn't obey. The kingdom was stripped from Saul because he didn't obey. 
Samson was blinded because he didn't obey. He grinds the mill and dies a premature death because he didn't obey. Sodom was destroyed because she didn't obey. Abraham was punished because he did not fully obey. Moses never saw the promised land because he did not obey. Noah was punished because he did not always later on obey. Even, even uh, Job was punished later because he didn't obey. Ananias and Sapphira were punished because they did not obey. And the, the angels in heaven were punished because they did not obey. The human race fell because they did, did not obey. Adam fell because he did not obey. Eve fell because she did not obey. Jacob left home, was gone 20 years outside the will of God, and married the wrong gal because he didn't obey. Esau sold his birthright because he did not obey. And God's people through these years who have not obeyed God and obeyed authority have dug for themselves graves of shame and heartache and ruin. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how big you think you are. I don't care how big your britches are. I don't care how big your head is. I don't care how big your hat's got to be to cover your big head. You are not too big to be, but what you'll be ruined if you don't learn to obey God and obey God's leaders. Obey. See Naomi standing by three graves. Because she disobeyed. See Samson grinding at the mill. Blind and grinding and bound in sin because he didn't obey. See David weeping over a tiny grave because he did not obey. See Judas' chariot plunging headlong and his bowels gushing out in suicide because he didn't obey. From the time that Adam and Eve graced the Garden of Eden, my friends, until this night, in December 1978, nobody has ever lived a life of disobedience who ended up happy and successful and fruitful and fulfilled. Disobedience always brings ruin. Obedience always brings joy. Disobedience always brings sadness. Obedience always brings happiness. Disobedience always brings a, 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 a bad plight. Obedience always brings a fulfilling life. Disobedience always breaks air castles and dreams. Obedience always fulfills God purpose for your life you'll never turn out right to the child in grade school you'll never turn out right you learn to obey high school students you'll never turn out right to learn to obey college students you'll never amount to a dime learn to obey 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 is better than sacrifice obey is better than preaching obey is better than singing obey is better than playing the organ obey is better than teaching obey is better than strength Obey is better than, than, than brilliance of mind. To obey, to obey, to obey, to obey. That's the great secret of the Christian life. The 30 of our Lord, 33 years. Get this now. God incarnate. Carnate. God come to earth. God in the flesh. For 30 of his 33 years, the story of his life was wrapped in these words. He was subject unto them. Jesus was subject unto Mary and subject unto Joseph. Now you listen to me, pipsqueak. You listen to me, smart addict. You listen to me. You think you're so hot and so big. You listen. If Jesus Christ, God's divine, perfect Son of God, in order to develop his humanity and fulfill God's will for his life, if Jesus Christ himself was subject to his parents, 
Who do you think you are not to be? Henry Amiel said, the distinguishing mark of religion is obedience. Nathaniel Emmons said, Oh, to God, obedience to God is the most infallible evidence of sincere and supreme love to Him. You don't love God because you cry during a good sermon. You don't love God because you tingle when the preacher tells a good illustration. You don't love God because you sing specials in church. You don't love God because you preach good sermons. You don't love God because you love God if you obey God and do what He says to do. Bob Jones, Sr., used to say, the thermometer by which our spiritual temperature is taken is the thermometer called obedience. You know, I love to quote Isaiah 1.18. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall white as snow. <coughs> Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Now, that's the first reasoning. Now, in verse 19, we don't quote verse 19 much. It says, if ye be willing to obey, ye shall eat of the good of the land. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Get your sins washed away. Get your sins as white as snow. And then what's next? Obey. Obey. It's time for the offering. Ushers come forward. For the fist leads in prayer. And you reach for your billfold. And disobey God. There are folks in this room tonight that think you're fundamentalists, you're nothing but crooks. You sat right here in this room a while ago and stole somebody else's money. You committed a crime worse when you didn't give God 10% of your income. You committed a crime worse than if you went out tonight and broke in somebody's house and got their presents from their Christmas tree. Obey! The moon is just right. Couples parked in the car, alone in the car, where they should not be. Cindy's engaged. She and Jack get married June the 1st. She's not about to get in the car alone with Jack yet. No, sir. You're old fogey. Yes, sir. Check and see how it works. No. They go into where they meet. I wouldn't want to be your daughter. <laughs> That's the good part. Yeah, you would. <clears throat> Pardon me for saying it, but you'd love it. Because you'd know by now why I do it. Some of your parents had it in a sense. You'd quit letting these kids go in these cars alone with each other. Amen. I've used every kind of, I've begged you, I've cried, I've scolded, I've preached, I've hollered, I've screamed. And yet the adultery just keeps on going. sitting in a car, moon is just right, perfume is just, uh, is just enticing, her skin is soft, you want to touch her, her lips shine neath the moon and stars, you want to touch her, what should you do, obey, obey what you've been taught from this pulpit, obey what you've been taught from the word of God, obey what your mom and dad have taught, obey, Obey! Do what you have been taught to do. Obey. You don't know the test answer. The next to you is smart. His hand's not covering his paper. What did you do? Obey what you've been taught. 
Don't be a dirty crook. You're 17. Not old enough to marry, but you want to marry. What should you do? Obey what the preacher says and what your mom and dad has taught you. And wait. Wait. You love that unsaved boy. Unsaved girl. And you want to marry him. And you say, I think God wants me to. God never goes against this book. What should I do, preacher? Obey! You don't agree with the rule at school. What should you do? Obey it! You're afraid he won't marry you if you don't sell your body to him and let him steal your virtue. What should you do? Obey! Obey God! Obey the Bible! Obey your teaching! Benjamin Franklin said, A good conscience is a continual Christmas. I like that. A good conscience is a continual Christmas. Shakespeare said, I feel within me a peace above all earthly dignities, an obedient conscience. Do you hear me? Shakespeare said, I feel within me a peace above all earthly dignities, an obedient conscience. I'm 52 years of age. All that matters to me, really, is just to do what God's called me to do. God's called me to preach. Got a call one day. I said, look, I want you to go to the White House. I said, sorry, I'm preaching that night. When Mr. Carter came through this area and was running for president, his office called and asked me if I'd be his escort while he was in this area. I mean, I could have eaten meal after meal with the president of the United States. I said, I'm sorry. I'm preaching that day. So boy, oh boy, you could have talked to the president a while. I talked to the fellow that made the president a while ago. Maybe <laughs> he blew it a little bit. They made him. Mr. Reagan came through town. <coughs> they called me. We'd like for you to be Mr. Reagan's escort and guide while he's in the area. Now me. Now me. Too busy preaching. They called me from the cup show one time. I said, I'd like to have you on the cup show. I said, no. Nah. I'm going to preach that day. Said, you wouldn't want me on a cup show? You give me a Bible and a congregation and a pulpit, and I'm just happy as a Mississippi dark-complected fellow in a watermelon patch. <laughs> I'd have preached one sermon of you on 50 cup shows. <laughs> fellow said, <coughs> I wish you could debate Madeline Murray O'Hare. I don't want to debate her like a killer, but I want to debate her. I wouldn't walk across the street with the big man of Muriel hair. I'd rather walk down the street and win a soul. I'm not concerned about I got a call the other day, Ms. McKinney, I tell you. I got a call from the Associated Press, Washington, D.C., wanted to interview me. I didn't, didn't return the call. So why? Got too much to do. I'm not here. I was famous. I just won't preach. You give me a few people in the Bible and the pulpit, and I'm ready to go. I don't care anything about sitting up there with a bunch of dumb-looking guys and when the cards are stacked against you, I'm trying to talk language you can understand now. Cards are stacked against you. Talking on a talk show. I'm not concerned about I mean, really, honestly, I just didn't go to the pink house or the brown house or the white house. I haven't lost anything there. I bet you a quarter they don't serve okra anyhow. Say, <laughs> so what are you talking about? I'm just saying, God called me to preach. Not to be a second-rate politician. God didn't call me to be a debater with heathen atheists. I'll get more done doing what I'm doing. I would debate with Madeline Murray O'Hare every day on television. 
With my temper, it wouldn't work anyhow. I got a <coughs> call on go. Said, we're, we're, we're feeling you out to see if you'd like to be on the Donahue show. Donahue. One thing I like about him is that head of hair. <laughs> I may buy me one just like it. He said, what, what do you say? I'm saying to me, brother, God called me to preach, and I just want to obey his call, that's all. Only to be what he wants me to be. Every moment of every day, yielded completely to Jesus alone. Every step of this pilgrim way, just to the clay in the potter's hands. Ready to do what his word commands. Only to be what he wants me to be. Every moment of every day. And there is no life in this world that's even a close second to a life that is lived in obedience to the will of God. Socrates saw a great quantity of riches and jewels and furniture and a great of great value carried in pomp through Athens. He looked at the jewels, looked at the furniture, looked at the riches, and said, Now do I see how many things I do not desire. Henry Giles said, No principle is more noble. And there's none more holy than that of a true obedience. Young people, I can look at my mother tonight and say, Mother, tell me when I disobeyed you. Because I have not disobeyed my mother since I was a little, little bitty boy. What kind of a child are you? Hey, you know what, young folks? Did you know that in the Bible, God puts being disobedient to parents right along beside the wicked, vile sins? God lists sins. Unholy, unthankful, whoremongers, idolaters, and right in the middle of those wicked sins, God says, disobedient to parents. Why? Because you show me a child that's obedient to his mom and dad, when he grows up, the obedience is, is on, on the inside through the subconscious. He'll obey his God then. My mother's brows wrinkled tonight. I didn't put a one of them for wrinkles there. My mother's face is wrinkled tonight. I didn't put one of those wrinkles there. I didn't put one hair, gray hair, my mother said. Yet there are young men in this room tonight absolutely killing your dad. Some of the dearest friends I have on the face of the earth are dying tonight. They're in this room right now. They're dying tonight. A little bit every day. They smile on the outside, but they die on the inside. Why, disobedient daughters? Why, disobedient sons? Why, rebellious boys? And I can look at my Savior tonight. And I can say, dear Jesus, I've not always been what I wanted to be. But Jesus, I've never known, and this is the God's truth, I've never known for sure anything you wanted me to do that I didn't do since you called me to preach. 
I'll never know. Our text says to obey is better than sacrifice. It goes on to say that disobedience is like the sin of witchcraft. Listen now. Hey. A few days ago, <coughs> we picked up our newspapers and turned our radios on to the news in the morning. <laughs> Heard about that congressman in California being killed down in Jonestown. Wait a minute. And then we were shocked beyond measure when word came out over 400 people had taken poison. We saw those bodies in our newspapers and our television screens lying in heaps. Then somebody came and said they found almost twice that many. Found some down beneath the others. We saw the boys of young, bodies of young people lying lifeless, motionless. The empty vat of Kool-Aid about near them. We were, we were amazed. How heathen! How pagan! Nothing but witchcraft! Yeah, I know it! The Bible says disobedience is like that. Hear me. Hear me tonight. You young people, <coughs> that don't obey what you've been taught and don't obey the rules. My Bible says you're just as wicked as Mr. Jones was. The Bible says sometime today, somewhere in the world, in the East, a mother took a little baby, a baby that she'd carried in her own body for nine months and for whom her, whose life she'd entered into the jaws of death, a baby that lived from her own body for a while. Somewhere in the world today she took that little baby, kissed it on the cheek and with a heart that broke in two, she walked up to a, an idol, with it sitting down, an idol that was made sitting down with a big lap like that with fire, flames leaping out of the lap. She tossed that little baby into the fire and gave that baby to appease her God. My Bible says that that woman's no worse than those of you that are disobedient. You're disobedient students, disobedient children, disobedient adults, disobedient to God's will. Somewhere today, along the Nile River, maybe happening right now, some little lady picks the baby up out of her arms. Tear-stained cheek, she takes that little baby, kisses its brow. She sees the hungry mouths of crocodiles waiting in the Nile River. She tosses that little baby to the hungry mouths of the crocodiles and sees that baby go down into the stomach to be eaten by the crocodiles. My Bible says those of you that don't, don't obey God are just as wicked as that lady. Somewhere in America tonight, there's a nude woman lying across the, uh, up on the hearth of a fireplace. <coughs> Satan worshippers out there with their pagan, heathen, occult worship. And we shriek in horror that anybody can worship the devil. My Bible says you that don't obey your parents are just as bad as the occult worshippers are. Obedience. Ask a question. Children, when your mother says get up, do you get up? Huh? I'm not kidding. When your dad says get dressed, do you get dressed? Huh? Children, I'm not kidding. When your mama says clean your room, you clean your room? 
<laughs> Don't laugh about it. Don't laugh about sin around me. 18 year old, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. Little cock sure, cocky, pip squeak. You think you know more than your dad does? Your dad's got more brains than his big toe and you got in your head, rascal. Ah, my dad's old fogey. No, sir. You're an idiot. Self-acclaimed God of your life. Get you a picture of yourself. Hang on a wall. Make an altar. Bow down and worship it. Allah, 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 self. You tell me what to do, self. I worship you, self. I want to please you, self. I obey you, self. It's idolatry. That's what it is. Obey. Saul has slain his thousands. And David is tens of thousands, they said. Saul became angry. Jealous! He thought that David had stolen his throne. It wasn't David that stole his throne. It was disobedience that stripped him of his power. Disobedience took his throne from him. And disobedience will wreck your life. I'll tell you something, kids. You, you may get... Brother Hiles in his preaching. You may get from me too many right things to do. But you won't do wrong if you do what I say. Now, I may tell you something that you, that you, can't, you, you shouldn't do that wouldn't be wrong if you did it, but it won't be wrong if you don't do it either. See? I may, I may list too many things as wrong. I don't think I do, but I may. But I won't tell you anything that's wrong to do to do. Now the best thing for you to do is just obey. Just obey. And the Lord said, Saul, you just lost your chance to run for re-election. We're not going to even nominate you at the heavenly convention next time. And you won't even run. Somebody else is going to sit on your throne. I'll tell you, that little boy David, he's after my throne. Isn't it nice you can rationalize and blame somebody else? It wasn't David's fault. Saul's fault. Samuel came up and said, Saul, listen to me. To obey is better than sacrifice. Listen, I've known many. Uh, I, was, I was in a certain city recently. Saw a Howells Anderson College graduate. Boy, he's going to set the woods on fire. Eloquent fella. Brilliant fella. Good looking. Good clothes. Nice physique. Uh, fair countenance. Handsome face. Tremendous personality. Going out and trying to start a church. Had fallen flat on his face. Flat on his face. Selling something. Cars or something now. Out of the ministry. Spent four years right here. Never got it. Never got it. I don't care how handsome you are. Good night. Being handsome is not going to put you anywhere. Listen, ugliest people in the world building the biggest churches and no smart cracks about that either. That's not. The, the little guys, look in the Bible, the little guys that did it because they obeyed. Gideon was a runt kid of the runt family, of the runt tribe, of the runt nation of the world. When God called Gideon to preach, he's hiding behind a wine press, threshing wheat. 
And uh, the angel of God came and said, All hail, thou mighty man of valor. And the first three words Gideon said, Lo, my Lord. Mighty man of valor, me. God uses obedient people. God doesn't use gifted people. God uses folks that do what he says. To obey is better. Sacrifice. Now you better get a hold of yourself. You better get a hold of yourself. Better shake yourself good and hard. You don't know what's best for your life. No, you don't. No, you don't. I'm going to be through now. They line up outside my office, Brother Fist, like a mighty army. That crowd of smart alecks thought the school was too strict. Thought Brother Hiles was too narrow. And they marched down that road of self, selfishness and rebellion. And there's always a bridge out. And then they line up outside my office door, wanting me to help them put the pieces back together. And I will. I'll help you. Wouldn't it be a lot better if you'd listen to me before you get before you ruin your life and after you ruin your life? Wouldn't it be a lot better tonight you'd say, I want to listen to the preacher. I'm going to do what he says. I'm going to be obedient to God's word and God's man and my, the parents that God has given me. Now's the time to do it. Not after it's too late. She came to my office and she said, Preacher, I'm pregnant. I'm not married. What will I do? Would it have been wonderful if she'd listened before? To the house? I want you young boys. I grew up here. I'm hooked on dope. I've got to have it. What can I do? Can you help me? I'll help you. But it could have helped you a lot easier beforehand. Yeah. Obedience. 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 To be obedient and to have an obedient conscience is to have a continual Christmas. Heavenly Father, bless the message.